the CONCACAF and UEFA Nations League has brought on a lot of good to the footballing world, but also a lot of unforeseen negatives. So in today's episode of the Final Third Podcast, we go into all of the pros, all of the cons of the Nations League, what makes it good, and what we can do to potentially improve it, as well as me giving my big master plan to make a World Nations League that will solve all of our problems. Hello and welcome back to another deep dive episode of The Final Third. It's slightly delayed this week, but we're still here this week nonetheless. As always, my name is Jack. I'm a fan of Chelsea, Minnesota United, Atalanta, and of the U.S. and French national teams. Probably not going to be talking about many of those teams, maybe maybe two of them slightly, yes, but yes. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll see where, where this conversation takes us. But before we get to that, I'm joined here today with AJ. Yes, AJ Tibura, one of your co-hosts. I'm a fan of Minnesota United, uh, West Ham United, the U.S. national teams, and Minnesota Aurora FC. I almost didn't get that one out. Uh, the new USLW League, a women's soccer team that Jack and I are actually going to go watch tomorrow, tomorrow. And I'm pretty yeah. excited about that. Are you excited for that, Jack? Yes, I am. I'm looking forward to it. You know, uh, I've, I've been wanting to go to a game there. And finally, we found a weekend that works. So that's yeah. good. And it's literally close, so close to our hometown. I actually mapped it from uh, Jack's going to pick me up at the, the bus station tomorrow. because I'm, I'm going down from uh, Minneapolis to to go back to uh, Dakota County. But it's only like a 20 minute drive, which yeah. blew my mind. TCO Stadium. I've never been. I, I know people who have gone because it, it's like the Vikings practice facility. But. It seems cool. I'm excited to go and support the team. So Yeah, it will be a good time. They're playing against Chicago City. So Ooh. hopefully we can get a win to take us joint top of the USLW League Heartland Division. We'll see, though. Heartland. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Chicago Sox. Take that, Gianna, and all the Chicago listeners we have. Hope we win. Hope we win. All right, let us talk about what we're going to be talking about today. So, I mean, you probably already read the title. That's why you clicked on this episode to begin with. But we're going to be talking about the Nations League, both the CONCACAF and the UEFA Nations League. We're going to be talking about, of course, what it is for those of you who don't know, uh, as well as the pros and cons that basically answer the question, is it good? It, is it a good idea to continue it, to continue investing in it? Uh, or should we abolish it, move on? change it slightly and in general even if it is good how could we possibly make it even better because there's only a few things in life that are perfect and one of them is lasagna i've now mentioned lasagna two times in a row on this podcast so that that was kind of weird all right but jack before we get to that where can people find us on social media to talk to us about anything, really. Does not have uh, a patience league. They can be, they, well, they can find us on Twitter <laughs> at week. Final Third Show. Uh, yes, I have had a long week. That's, <laughs> if, if anyone can kind of tell, that, that is very true. Yes. Uh, but Twitter, Final Third Show. Uh, we, tweet, we tweet out there pretty often. Well, you know, you, you'll want to be on there so you can contribute potentially yeah. to, uh, to our episodes and our research because uh, some people, you know, we put out a poll on this subject and some people responded to it as well. And so thank you to that. But yes. if you want to contribute, you know, 
you might want to follow our Twitter just in case. You might just want to do that because it's a lot of fun. Also, check out our website, finalthirdshow.com. Enough plugging stuff. Let's talk about the Nations League. First, talking about what is the Nations League, you ask? Well, there's two Nations League that currently exist, and that's the CONCACAF, the North American one, and UEFA, which is the European one. There's been rumors that some other countries might be able to do it. I, I think an, an African and Asian one would be very successful. South America, is it's a little small for that, but, you know, whatever, in terms of country size. It's a big continent. Mm-hmm. Didn't want to offend the South American geography nerds out there. Uh, but the Nations League basically is a, a league format, as you would see in the club game, extrapolated onto national teams. So... Basically, taking the UEFA Nations League as an example, they split all of the countries in Europe into four tiers, basically. There's uh, League League A, League B, League C, League D. Same thing with CONCACAF, uh, except it's only three leagues. And before the Nations League even came into existence, there was some qualification process to differentiate the best teams on top to the lowest teams on bottom. And within those leagues, they're split into further groups. Uh, speaking about UEFA a little bit more, uh, League A, for example, the, the Premier League. Now, that's, that's not what I wanted to say. Obviously, it's not the Premier League, but, you know, it's the best league to be in the Nation's League. Uh, it's split into four groups of four uh, in this round. And in these groups, each of these teams play all the other teams home and away. And the winner of that team gets a qualification to the Nations League final, which features the group winners of all four of the League A groups when they play in a a mini tournament. And the bottom team in that group, the fourth team, gets relegated to League B. And as you'd probably assume, the group winners of League B, League C, League D, whatever, they get promoted to the above league. And so, yeah, that's basically just how promotion relegation works in general, but we don't really see that in the international game. So taking, let's say, uh, let's take Group A, which Jack probably has a bit of affinity for because that's what France is in. Uh, France is in a group of Denmark, Austria, uh, and Croatia as well. And so France will play all those teams home and away. And hopefully, uh, if France, you know, win their group, they'll be sent to the Nations League uh, semifinals, which could lead them to you know defending their title right now it's not looking really good no it isn't it really isn't yeah had a poor start one draw one loss uh i'm forgetting who the the draw was against croatia i'm guessing the loss was against denmark otherwise it's kind of embarrassing it it was it was a loss against denmark uh late goal from denmark yes yeah denmark is good but yes that's basically how it is and that's the way it is in the CONCACAF League, you know? It basically, the general gist of it, and this is one of the benefits before I hand it over to Jack to talk about some of the cool things that, that the Nations League does, is it replaced friendlies. So the, the first iteration of the UEFA Nations League, which is the original Nations League, 2018, or 2017 to 2018 was the year where they played all that. And it was a, a, a pretty good success. Now I'm saying it might be 2018, 19, whatever. I don't, I don't care. Uh, but there was, a, for a long time, uh, hatred, legitimate hatred towards the international game because it was filled with friendlies, which didn't actually mean anything. The people of 
players would just go on international break, come back, and they'd be tired, they'd be injured just for playing what's essentially preseason games would be the equivalent for club games. And this gives you a competitive games to play throughout the season. This would replaces those friendly games that would be you'd play over the October, November, uh, September, March international windows. So more competition usually means higher quality soccer, high quality soccer equals more fun for fans, uh, players, coaches, at least that's the plan on paper. So Jack, now without I talked a little bit about what the Nations League actually is for people who might not know. What are some of the benefits that you could surmise that the Nations League brings us as fans, as lovers of the beautiful game? Well, you know, it does bring us a lot more games, that's for sure. And games that are honestly more accessible usually, because if they're in a competition, they're more likely to be streamed on other platforms. That's true. So, Very true. Uh, although this year, it's a, it's a little bit different. Last year, they were on ESPN Plus, I believe. Uh-huh. And now they're on some other platform. They're, they're not on Fox Sports, I know. Uh, but they're on they're, some other package. Man, uh, I, I, I will look that up. I, I know for a fact that the CONCAF Nations League is on ESPN Plus. Well, I that's think. good, at least. But and UEFA's is not. Yes, uh, I, 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 I'll look that up. But th- that's very true because there's not a lot of great TV access to go for friendlies. And even beyond that, there's not a, a lot of... Uh, TV money to go around for friendlies, especially for these smaller countries. The fact that they don't have a competition that's televised when they play friendlies makes it harder for them to face similar strength uh, teams. If they want to get, you know, some television money, uh, if there were television money to go around for friendlies, uh, that might not always be the case, but they'd have to face stronger teams. And just because you face stronger teams obviously doesn't mean that you'll necessarily get better so that that tv bit i didn't even think about that jack so thank you that's a huge part for sure yeah so obviously making it more accessible there but that also means that you know for some of these players they have more of an opportunity to be seen by you know other teams coaches and could potentially get a better transfer move or a transfer move if they're really promising you know like not as as uh, as wealthy as some clubs are, they're not going to be able to send people to every single uh, match that's happening on one day to scout out every player. Right. But if these if these uh, games are being recorded or filmed, then there is more of a likelihood that, you know, these players can get seen and, you know, potentially get those transfers to uh, to bigger clubs, which is pretty cool. So that that might be a smaller advantage. But the big one that most people talk about is that it gets more competitive games for the players because mm-hmm. friendlies are fine, but too often friendlies are against teams that aren't exactly of similar quality. Like for example, Argentina had a friendly the other day against Estonia. Um, not really on an equal level at all or close yeah. to it. So that, that that's a little, that that doesn't really help Argentina that much. It might help Estonia, but it doesn't help Argentina at all. And so the incentive for those kinds of friends, friendlies goes down, uh, forcing team. Uh, but in the Nations League, 
Now you have competitive games and actual meaning behind some of these. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plus, you're paired up with uh, other teams that are generally of similar level. Like looking looking at the difference between like Euro qualification versus uh, versus the Nations League, for example. Right. Like you have you have teams that have better chances of making it through their groups. So like Gibraltar, instead of being in a group for UEFA qualification like they were with Norway and Uh Turkey and I forget who was at the top of that group. Uh, Denmark, I believe, was was up there as well. Uh, But, you know, that's a more stacked group. Now, Gibraltar's in a group with Bulgaria, Georgia and North Macedonia. And while those aren't like necessarily bad teams, they're more equal on the level. Absolutely. So that's that that's really cool to for those teams to have those opportunities to get to play uh, and actually have chances to maybe win some matches or at least get some points from them, get mm-hmm. better experience against teams of similar levels. Yeah. And that that I think that that's like the single biggest reason why they uh, went for the Nations League. And it's one of the single biggest reasons why it has been a success and i i think i'll talk about this a lot more later but i i I can point towards probably the biggest success or at least one of north macedonia who if you folks will remember did not have the best of times uh before the nations league you can go back to 2016 where they only won a single game over uh, Azerbaijan, which was a friendly, uh, but they would continuously get just curb stomped time and time again in World Cup qualification, even though I, I think the 2018 one went a little bit better. It-, it-, it just wasn't very good. And then they started playing in the Nations League. And a lot of their success in recent years can be attributed to their overall success Within the Nations League, they start off on the bottom in League D. They won their their group that, you know, comprised of Gibraltar, Armenia, Liechtenstein. Uh, and they were, they were able to win because they were facing off of, you know, pretty, pretty talented uh, teams. But they were still at that you know, lower level. And through that, they were able to actually build momentum. You know, if you're going to be bunkering every single time you you know you face a a, a bigger team in a friendly that's not going to help you you know if you're playing like you're like oh we're we're probably going to lose this like it's a friendly it doesn't really matter you're probably going to lose and when you when you go through qualification and let's be honest you're not going to qualify and you're probably going to get curve stomped by the likes of England France Italy it doesn't really benefit you to go through that Obviously, you're going to want to win, but competitively to build momentum, World Cup qualification, Euro qualification, it's very hard for smaller countries to actually break out of the rut that they're in. And plus, people don't like watching that, as evidenced by how Gary Lineker uh, referred to some of these smaller countries, saying that uh, they should just, you know, they should fight for the honor to face these bigger teams because he's like that. Well, this is what what that is. And so now we see North Macedonia qualifying for the Euros. And even though they, they bowed out in the group stage, it was still a pretty good showing for a, a team that has not in their history made the Euros. In World Cup qualification, 
they were actually able uh, to get some really positive, positive uh, uh, results, which is, again, not what you'd necessarily expect out of North Macedonia to even get second place in World Cup qualification and then beat Italy to make sure that, that they can't go to the World Cup and only relatively narrowly lose to Portugal. Like, like that is the path that, that North Macedonia has paved because they're able to build momentum, which I think is very, very important. Uh, I'll also add that because it's an official competition, it allows teams to actually cap tie players. So that's, I believe, one of the reasons why Musa is officially with the U.S. Because unlike before where we, no, no, play friendlies uh, in, in June during an off year uh, before the Gold Cup, we played the Nations League, which Musa was a part of. So he was officially cap-tied, uh, as well as some other uh, dual nationals. So, yeah, Jack, can you think of any other great benefits that the Nations League brings us? Uh, well, I mean, you know, there, there's some other good things that it, that it can do. Well, I, I think we've already talked enough maybe about the fan about the fan part of it, but it, it doesn't it doesn't hurt to mention it again. You know, I remember when the UEFA Nations League games were on, I think it was last summer or last spring. Mm -hmm. uh, I would I would have, you know, I'm looking at my setup here, my computer, uh, my second monitor, my phone, my iPad and then another device so I could watch five friendlies at the same time and yeah. you know like that's the kind of stuff you can get you can watch a ton of games at the same time and you can you you have a lot of content to choose from which is really nice especially if you if you're like aj and i and like watching soccer you know it, there's almost always some kind of game that's going to be interesting on every day instead of otherwise during friendlies when you know maybe you'll get one good game mm -hmm. if if you're lucky in a day and even then it's still going to be pretty unbalanced in all likelihood right. so getting these kinds of games allow you to see more of that kind of stuff and uh and also you know it, it is it is kind of nice because uh it, it gives opportunities to compete for more trophies you know that that's kind of cool to to have that opportunity do do, do they end up going mostly to bigger countries yes but that doesn't mean there isn't still a better chance for some of these countries to compete for it. Mm -hmm. Like instead, instead of like in the euros, right. Where not every UEFA country can compete in it. You know, the nation's league, every country theoretically has the possibility to make it up to the a league and compete mm -hmm. for the trophy. Theoretically, is that the reality for a lot of countries like, you know, San Marino? No, right. but it, it still it still is more possible than like with the Euros where you have to qualify first for before even getting a chance to do it. This at least, you know, allows for the for those teams to have those games. And that benefits the fans as well, because more more games means more opportunities to go into stadiums. And therefore, you you know, you, you can see your your national team play more often, maybe in person. And maybe if, if you're uh, more if you're luckier than we were in the U.S., Maybe you'll get to see them in your home state or home home city when it's not freezing, you know? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe, uh, hopefully. <laughs> I, I think one of the biggest surprises 
uh, with the UEFA and CONCACAF Nations League is just how many people actually showed up. Uh, after the first iteration, people were blown away with how successful it was, due in part because people were like actually watching, people actually cared, which is like a hundred percent improvement compared to where we were uh, before this when we just had friendlies. Because I'll be honest, I, I like watching friendlies when the U.S. is playing it because I am a U.S. fan. But I, I really cannot be be convinced to watch, let's say, England versus Liechtenstein or whatever England is doing at any given point. Uh, unless like a player that I really like is playing, there's no really incentive for me because there's, there's no competitive plot. There's nothing to really follow. But here... There is. Plus, it's easier to watch. the The last benefit I can come up with, other than, well, I guess this, I guess this is tangentially uh, related. So I'll, I'll bring it up in a sec. But the one I I really wanted to bring up is the fact that these groups are many times backdoors into qualifying for competitions. The reason why North Macedonia was able to qualify for last year's Euros was because in the previous Nations League, they won their group which sent them to uh, a qualification process for the Euros, which they won. They, they, they won through their path and they qualified to the Euros. Now, this is something that, that has been criticized in the past because it allows weaker teams, but it's also a safeguard to make sure that these, these quote-unquote weaker teams aren't just given a bad hand for a, a Euro qualifying, qualifying group, aren't just, you know, getting curb stomped because there's legitimate talent uh, with these teams just look at again north macedonia in the, in the euros put up a, a pretty good fight and everyone literally everyone like that just like that meme so there's that uh and it also makes it so we can get rid of some stupid qualifying processes like with Concacaf, i love the way that they tied the gold cup into the nations league basically if you're in league a and you're top two you get sent to the Gold Cup automatically. If you're in League B and you get you win the group straight up, you get sent to uh, the Gold Cup automatically. Guyana, Jack, I know you've been following them a little bit. They start out pretty well. Two uh, uh, wins. Two wins. Over Bermuda and Montserrat, I believe is how you pronounce it. Yep. Probably, probably something like that. And Jack, if they win... They will be going to the Gold Cup again, which will be exciting. I know. I I hope they can, but they play Haiti next, and that's the toughest opposition they have. So Yeah, but here's we'll the see. thing. Even if they get second place, they can get still get sent to the preliminary round, which is also where uh, the last place team in League A uh, will go because they'll be sent to uh, the prelims or the winners of League C. So you know, there's so much room for these smaller teams that might get curb stomped during qualification process to actually compete in these uh, tournaments. And just because they're smaller, just because they're a little bit weaker, just because they're not in the, the top flight in these leagues, doesn't mean that they can't also be very, very talented. And with the extra competition, with the uh, added television money, and with all of the, you know, added home games against you know good competition same level competition it leads to more money for these smaller teams i'm sure i'm sure teams like guyana for example as we just mentioned have gotten a pretty good windfall of money and we see that with also uh countries like georgia who have now been unbeaten 
for the first time in a decade in seven games. And that has led to a lot of success uh, off the field for them commercially as well. So a lot of good benefits, both monetarily, both competitively, as we mentioned with Gibraltar, uh, uh, North Macedonia, now Georgia, and even Jack's country, Guyana. So a lot of cool things. That's all the real benefits I can think of, Jack. So why don't we talk about some negatives? Because uh, we, I think we alluded to this partially. Um, De Bruyne saying, quote, The Nations League is unimportant in my eyes, just glorified friendlies after a long and tough season. I am not looking forward to it. Tough, De Bruyne, tough. Especially because he scored a goal in a, a, a drubbing of, I believe, Poland. So... And Jack, as our resident Nations League hater, in fact, I think if I remember to our discussion on Monday, you say, quote, the Nations League is so BS. I hate it. It's not a major trophy. In fact, it's nothing. I'd rather give up the French trophy that we won in October just to never watch this drivel ever again. Uh, can can I, you I, speak to that a little bit? I think that might be out of context right there. I, I think I think that might be extrapolated. I, no, I have it in my notes. And I don't oh, think really? my notes would lie to me. I don't oh, really? think my notes would lie to me. That might have been uh, when I when i was on my argentina uh argentina oh, yeah. propaganda which uh actually i'm on it oh, again wow. because i'm wearing an argentina shirt underneath oh, my wow. minnesota united sweater right now so uh but beyond that there are some negatives to the nation there League. are there, there are there are uh because de bruyne kind of has a point you know uh players are playing more games than ever now like uh chelsea completed their longest season one of their longest seasons ever do you know how many games specifically 63 games that is a lot of games that's a lot of games yeah uh so you know i i can kind of see where he's coming from you know players are playing more often and you know it, it especially with there not being a world cup this summer not every player is going to be looking forward to during the summer seeing oh now we have to play in this competition instead of just friendlies. Uh, so there is that that that's that's a little bit of a, a negative. You know, it could put some strain on the players and put some strain on their health. And we've seen a lot more injuries happen to players as well because of way more games being played. Uh, another thing that I'd say on that same kind of track is, you know, with it being not necessarily friendlies and, you know, you're competing for silverware. It puts pressure on these national team right, coaches exactly. to play, you know, stronger lineups, which cool. That could be good for competition, but again, can hurt some of those players who have played lawn seasons already. Also, it can stop uh, them from trying to experiment with other promising Absolutely. players. You know, lack of friendlies means you're not going to get opportunities to try out new lineups, you know, uh, for like. Think about England, for example. There's a lot of good young players mm -hmm. that they could call up and play. They have they have four right back options right now, mm -hmm. and not all of them are going to get game time. Yeah, but even beyond the players called into the team, there's plenty more that are sitting at home still that that could have been called up if it was friendlies and not full on competitive games. Or right. like for the U.S., think about all of the younger players that could have been called up. For this and a lot of players that people wanted to see in the roster that didn't get the call up because you know technically these are competitive games and yes it's uh the u.s is playing against granada and el salvador but if they don't make it to that final stage 
everyone everyone's going to be mad. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it puts pressure on the coaches to put out these strong lineups, which can mean a lot of talent gets left behind. And, you know, those players might not get a chance to break into uh, the national team, even if they are like really good players. So, yeah, I, I think that that's a potential downside as well. Mm hmm. I have a follow-up question because now that we're talking about the some of the costs uh, of participating in the Nations League, I want to talk about what are some things that we could do to potentially mitigate some of these problems. So you bring up uh, health issues, and you brought up uh, some of the the issues in terms of experimentation and you know advocating for new players to to go in and get integrated with the t- with the teams. In your mind, no wrong answers, of course. How would we be able to fix this? Uh, there's not really a great way to fix it is the unfortunate thing, because there if there's more games, you know, that I actually know that that there is a way to fix it. And unfortunately, it would probably be no Nations League, but that sucks because there's a lot of advantages for it. Mm-hmm. So. I I think like it, it if you if you wanted to cobble together some kind of thing you could make it so like the nation's league is, you know, players with less than 50 caps. You call in that, but that's, 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 that's such so an arbitrary like, rule. Yeah. Right. So that, that's just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do it. And that's the issue here. You, you can't, you can try and make it, you can try and resolve those issues, but no matter what, it's going to have those issues absent just straight up not having the nation's league like the the player health parts of it it's only the only way you solve that is i mean beyond changing the rules of the game itself and being like yeah these are 45 minute games 22 and a half minute halves uh yeah the 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 like it's just to not have them that but we've already gone over how good this is for like smaller teams and yeah, it's a balancing act, right? Yeah. And the issue is this is just kind of what you have to take and you have to kind of accept this part to move forward with those advantages for uh, smaller countries, which Mm -hmm. honestly is it's, it's kind of miraculous that UEFA and CONCACAF have gone along with doing this because they, they don't make money as much off these smaller teams. They make them off those bigger teams, you know, CONCACAF makes money off of USA, Canada, and Mexico, and uh, UEFA makes money off of France, Germany, England, Spain. Like, like Gibraltar and Granada aren't making UEFA and CONCACAF money, respectively, right? So that's that's the thing. Like, uh, it's miraculous that these are even happening, I think, because of how profit-focused these uh, confederations are. I, I still think they're making money because because remember that before this, it was just friendlies. And I don't think UEFA made any money off of those, uh, like any any, you know, needle moving money. And, and I, I think that has led some people to call these games cash grabs because they, they see them as glorified friendlies. I mean, De Bruyne called them glorified friendlies. And I, I do see where they're coming from. And I, and I, I when it comes to the Nations League. It's very hard to get it 100% wrong. So I, th- I think there's there's genuine concern and genuine benefit on both sides. 
And so when we talk about like the health aspect with the, the, the congestion aspect, I think De Bruyne is 100% right. I think I think Man City just finished a 50-60 game season and they're tired. De Bruyne was a major part of that. And now because because it's actual competitive games, there's pressure for him to not give up and to actually give effort because he wants to to do competitively well in a competitive environment. And that sucks because he's tired. These players are tired. However, obviously it's not a cash grab because we wouldn't talk about the benefits and how much it actually benefits the game overall if it wasn't if there wasn't some amount of benefit to it. But I, I feel like where a lot of people are going wrong about this and attacking it when it shouldn't be attacked is just the scheduling of this year in particular, because, you know, we know the competitive benefits, whatever we, we know what it does for the game. But the this Nations League for UEFA, it is the September window or this uh sorry June window where they play like four games and then a two game window in September. That is basically if you really think about it, three windows, two of them are right in a row after a very long season, and another that is about a month and a half into uh, a little bit two months in, in, into a, another busy extra congested season it's just the schedule because this stupid world cup just so happens to not be in the summer where it'd be pretty convenient and instead in the fall and so i I think that's where a lot of these issues arise and potential health issues jack if they had the nation's league where it was before where it was split you know if you play a maximum of two games a window you know there's there's eight possible games to be played between march or, or starting in September, September, October, November, and then March. Six games some uh, spread up through those eight game windows, maybe throwing some friendlies for that, you know, let's try some new competitive whatever. That has to be a little better for both of those points, right? Maybe. It, it, can, it can help a little bit, but at the same time, you're still uh, going to be putting pressure on players especially right in the season right like uh those those windows within the season are uh i i my worry is like you know these keep getting more and more congested and players are going to get more and more injured and never getting time to recover like players have not really had a lot of recovery time since i mean honestly since uh june of or late may early june of 2020 Mm -hmm. right like when was the last time like these players had an act like an actual off season an actual i mean that had to be the summer of 2019 for european seasons yes exactly or i guess you could technically say during covid right like during that lockdown yeah, but 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 that 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 wasn't so much a break as it was right. maybe atrophy for some of them if they weren't like actually like match fit. So I, yeah, I, I don't so, even know how much benefit that had. Exactly. So like the last time they had an actual off season break was 2019. They're not going to get much of one this season either, because remember the schedule was pushed up because of the World Cup for most of these leagues. So they're going to get like a month, which fine cool i guess they're going to get a little bit of time but 
the the issue with these games as much as I do like them is there there really isn't a good way to fit them into the schedule without like working players into the ground. <sighs> yeah. And and that's I I feel like I feel like this issue is solved in part by just having rotation. Like I like I I, I like I said I I agree with De Bruyne. It's very tough. But also if you are Belgium, if you do have these teams that are full of these players that are playing a lot of minutes for their clubs, you know, even smaller countries. I I feel like rotation is part of the game. And maybe, I don't know, uh, I'm actually like super playing devil's advocate right now. I don't even know what's about to come out of my mouth right now. But maybe part of the congestion is actually helping to solve the other issue, where because there's congestion, it forces you to play new players. It, it forces you to to bring out some, you know, lesser known uh, stars that are, are younger. Uh, for, I don't know, for Italy, maybe maybe that that was a, a catalyst for playing Chiesa. Maybe uh, maybe for uh, the U.S., this is where we'll see some younger players like Malik Tillman really get, get in their own. Because before, you know, we're preparing for the World Cup. We're not going to play Tillman all the time. But against Granada, against El Salvador, where... We need to rotate players. Maybe we do play some of these uh, uh, other players that are on the fringes. And th- in that case, that helps the other problem. So it's, it's just a positive feedback loop. And I have solved world soccer. Just uh, I don't think hey, so. I, I think hey, there's coaches, still an issue just, there. Just, just, ro- just, use, just use subs. I can't believe they haven't thought about that. I know. I know. I think, I think the issue is, though, inevitably, these, especially at the very top level like league a these teams are still going to see this as an opportunity to win a trophy right and even if like especially like you know i'm i'm gonna use u.s soccer twitter as an example given how much everybody seems to just hate every single decision that's made if there's any slip up they the the u.s soccer federation knows like like everything's gonna gonna go downhill so it still puts pressure on the coaches to have to put out extremely strong lineups like Pulisic doesn't get rest that often (laughs) right Right. it does it doesn't matter how like if if he I I'm going to guess that he plays against Granada he's going to play against Granada probably and if he does I that kind I, of, I, I, that I, kind I, of show. I don't think so. Actually, I don't I, think that's I can see it nice. happening. I can see it happening. But if it does, that kind of just proves what I'm thinking about, I think. Or like if if players like Tyler Adams or Weston or Weston McKinney is a different case coming back from injury. But, you know, I, I feel like the the coaches are still going to be pressured into playing these, you know, these other other players because think about England the other day right uh I can't remember exactly when they played but they played against Bulgaria right and they lost right they lost to Bulgaria and and they got memed on for that yeah and they played they played a few players that wouldn't normally play like James Justin started at left wing back you know Jared Bowen started at right wing Connor Cody started in the central center of defense uh, 
that's not necessarily their strongest lineup that they started. And because of that, English media was furious, right? And so because mm-hmm. it's a trophy, it, at the end of the day, they're competing for a trophy. And, you know, now with that one loss to Bulgaria, they're at the bottom of their group. Right. They're like that. It's look, it doesn't look like that. It, at this point in time, it does not look good for their chances of actually competing for the Nations League trophy. Right, right. You're right. You're right. So it, it shows how quickly it can be because, yes, England wanted to experiment. They wanted to get players like Jared Bowen into the side. They wanted to get James Justin into the side. Which, but which they did. They did, but it cost, cost them, right? Exactly. And that that's the trade-off. I feel like that trade-off exists no matter what. And because of it, like uh, teams are going to keep wanting to play those top players because at the end of the day, even if they don't consider it a trophy, do you know who's going to always consider it a trophy? The media, the, the fans. media, the media, the fans. And that narrative is going to drive it. And Man. so I don't know. I, 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 I think the Nations I, League. I think I think the issue kind of like a lot of things, I, I think, in soccer kind of comes down to toxic fan and media culture. I I think it kind of comes down to some of that where, you know, fans kind of demand perfection and anything going wrong, especially in a game that can be construed to be a trophy. Like, for example, if something went wrong in a friendly, like uh, we played against Bosnia, right? We scored a last minute goal in that. Who's we? The U.S. Sorry. Okay. The U.S. Yeah. We, we didn't play in that game, no. Uh, okay. But the, the U.S. <laughs> oh, I know that. <laughs> yeah, the U.S. played against Bosnia. And if they, if they had, you know, drawn in that match instead of scoring that last-minute goal to win it, people wouldn't have been necessarily upset because, you know, it's a friendly. There's enough, there was no trophy yeah, at stake. It, it, and experimentation to, is literally the point. Exactly. But now, take that... Take, Replace Bosnia with El Salvador and say it now it's the Nations League. And we and we draw against them because we put out a less experienced lineup. What happens on U.S. men's national team Twitter? They go crazy. They start calling Burhalter names I can't say on this podcast. Yeah. So that that's the thing. Uh, Jack, you're seeing facts right now. Yeah. So the the, it's I, I know I know it's easy to celebrate. Like, yeah, we've solved it. We've solved the issue with the Nations League. But. The issue is the issue might be that it is competitive games that lead you towards a trophy. That, that, that that's true. How about how about this? We expand it even further, and by, by, by timeline I mean. So okay, okay. maybe it starts like like in, in a normal September or or, or in, in a normal year. Maybe you play one or two games as part of your warm up to I don't know the World Cup. Or or the Euro tournament that's happening, you know what I mean, uh, and then, or maybe just one, I don't know, and then instead of instead of four windows, you have five windows to play six games. You might not even need that. You, it could be something else, another way to to look at it, but just spreading it out so you can get it done in a, a wider point of time. Th- that I feel like, given the constraints of we want to keep the Nations League. But at the same time, we don't want to overcongest the calendar. That might be the best option in terms of this one specific issue. That that, that brings into question, like, 
I, I think bringing this into the next issue I have, unless you have something else to say about that. I, I was going to say for scheduling yeah. wise, what if what if like you split it up even more? And by that, I mean, this gets played over like, you know, a two year cycle. So you play three of those games yeah. in it because between your continental competition, like the main one. So the Euros or the Gold Cup and the World Cup that ideally those would those would exist like two years from from each other. Right. Uh, so, so, so you want to do uh, the biennial World Cup? No, what I'm here. No, no. no I, I said the, I said the Gold Cup in the slash Euros. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, two yeah. years away from the World Cup. And then in each of those other off like uh, off years. Yeah. Yeah. In the summer. You can play those two those games, right? You can play three friendlies, three friendlies or three, three Nations League games, three sure. Nations League games. So it exists as a longer competition. And maybe I'm, that's that that could be a bit confusing, maybe. But I, I also think you probably <laughs> want bigger groups for that. Because I, I, here's the thing. To spread out that long of matches just to play three teams mm-hmm. might be a little tough. Like, I, I think logistically, if you had, say, I don't know, a, 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 a six group, uh, yeah, a six team group, that might be a, a little bit more balanced. So you have five opponents that you face home and away over two years. That's certainly an option. Uh, the one issue that I wanted to uh, bring up that is also very, very pertinent just so happens to be the fact that like Kevin De Bruyne and so many other, you know, players, they don't like to play this because let's be honest. It it doesn't, it doesn't really matter (laughs) to them. And, and many might say that it's not actually beneficial for Belgium to play Poland or Germany to play England because they've played each other before and these players know what the other players are like they're always playing on uh, these perfect pitches I'm forgetting like I think it was Mbappe uh, recently I said like European European players have no idea what South America is in terms of like what it's like to play what it's like to play Mm -hmm. against those teams the last time that Brazil played a European team I think it was like literally just a random a random team like 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 austria or something or kosovo something like that where it, it, it there's not a lot of cross confederation play and that's why i feel like a lot of you know like kevin de bruyne these professionals don't like it is because it's not much of a, a new challenge it is a challenge they're going to play but if de bruyne treats it like glorified friendlies i think that tells us something about like how they actually view it because yeah. even even if they are playing, it might not be at a hundred percent effort. It might not be even if there is pressure for them to do well. I highly doubt that they're actually putting their bodies on the line for a group stage match of the Nations League, because it's not a new challenge. The USA, you know, they're getting they're getting good practice for the World Cup right now. Just finished against Morocco and Uruguay in September. They're going to play Saudi Arabia and Japan. All World Cup teams all very powerful. Notice how there's no European teams because all of UEFA, they're playing this Nations League as their preparation. That puts them at a disadvantage. And I'm talking, just talking about the, like, this season specifics. But that puts them at a disadvantage for the World Cup. But more broadly, these Nation League games, because they take away from friendlies, yes, friendlies are a lower pressure, 
but it gives you chances to go against teams like Uruguay or like Morocco, who play significantly different than how El Salvador, Panama, even Mexico play. And so I, I think one of the cons is the fact that this Nations League for UEFA and CONCACAF kind of insulates these countries further. So after, after UEFA started their Nations League, it got so much more hard for USA, for um, South America countries to play friendlies against Europe. It was basically just like, all right, who doesn't have a Nations League game right now? All right, we're going to play them. I don't care. I don't care if it's San Marino. We have to play some in yeah. Europe. And that's how you get Argentina versus Estonia as a friendly. It, it, exactly. <laughs> You're exactly right. Like th th that's and, and guess who that helps? Not anyone really like, like the reason why they did that's probably because, you know, a money and B just because any any experience is probably better than no experience. But is Argentina and Estonia going to help either of those teams? No, Argentina wants to play Italy again like they did in the, the final SEMA. But they don't get that because of this this Nations League. Jack, what do you think? And Jack, how do we fix this? I'm, I'm making you president of <sighs> UEFA right now. How do you fix this? Uh, that's my response. That's my uh, address to UEFA right there. Uh, OK, I honestly it's it's tough because there's not a fantastic solution for it that balances everything out i also realized my solution has no chance of working because world cup qualification and euro qualification still exists right. so it's not that doesn't even work like <laughs> their players are so inundated with with matches all all the time that it's so you're saying no nations league but that's the thing. I don't want to because I think it's good for smaller countries. So, so, so no it, Nations League for big countries. But then that gets risky because then you, you're like, OK, UEFA, who are the big countries? Who, who's good enough to not have to sure. play? And then it gets rid of the incentive for like, a, you know. Like if imagine there's no League A. League uh -huh. B is like, OK, so now what? What do we do now? Uh, I mean, the, the best thing that I can think of is you make the Nations League for all the countries that don't go to the World Cup. So and you play it. I know uh, playing it during the World Cup wouldn't work because no one's going to watch them. That's that's and I'll, and also think about this. Even if we don't have a Nations League for top teams. They're still probably going to play friendlies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if they don't play friendlies, they're at a disadvantage because because they're not they're not getting experience. Yep. And but if they if they don't play competitive matches. Players are still going to complain they're playing friendlies and there's no there's no competition, right? So I, I think the Nations League, unless we scrap international football and international breaks altogether, which players also don't want. Right. And fans, most fans don't want. <laughs> I think that the Nations League as it is right now is the lesser of five evils right now. And there are things that we can do to improve that. I, I like my idea of just expanding it by one international window. That might muddy stuff up when you have like a tournament year, whatever. Encouraging, encouraging uh, rotation. Hey, 
maybe i don't know i'm pretty sure that they're they're still using five subs make that permanent heck make it six subs i don't care but but having some way to deal with this maybe maybe we find some way to lessen travel just like logistically uh decreasing the amount of travel that that teams will have to do i don't know that might be an option as well jack can you think of any other issues before we go into some proposed redesigns of it that i and one of our twitter followers proposed i think i think i've kind of talked about all the issues that i wanted to you know there, there there's plenty but that doesn't mean that there isn't maybe a solution so aj why don't you go over this solution yeah. potentially well i'll go over one of our uh, listeners and twitter followers uh christopher who when we asked if the the nation's league is good or bad which by the way got unanimous it's good so people like the nation's league which kind of tracks what we were saying uh they had some solutions to solve uh these issues and a, a lot of this a lot of the issues that we've talked about stem from the fact that if you're a top team you might not like the nation's league because of congestion because of uh players fitness because of not the competition not actually being competitive or beneficial for you yada 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 or maybe if you're even in the the second tier you're not in the a tier even though you feel like you should be and so you have countries are literally going to the world cup like serbia who have to play against non-world cup opponents just because they happen to be in league b which when that's their only preparation sucks so bad so this is what christopher said uh when when he answered our poll he says, it's good overall, but I'm going to expand my thoughts a bit. Con CONCACAF needs to expand League A to 16 teams, like UEFA did. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, it's uh, four groups of three right now, so it's a total of 12 teams. Because League B feels too mismatched uh, with teams that are too good to be there. Uh, just for reference, League B is full of teams like Guyana, which I think is... Yeah, that's probably that's that yeah, might be that, a little I, flattering I was gonna say it's fair. But how about <laughs> Haiti, Trinidad and Tobago, Nicaragua, uh, Dominican, uh, uh, Guatemala, perhaps, you know, French Guiana is actually doing pretty good. Wow. OK, crazy. Uh, and so he's basically saying that we need to make it so League A is actually representative of the best teams. Uh, he says UEFA Nations League is awesome, but I refuse to care much because Fox is garbage. And that answers our question from earlier. Uh, Fox and Fubo TV are the carriers for UEFA Nations League. Uh, I'd love to see a global Nations League for regions with the America, Americas combined. So CONCACAF and CONMEBOL, UEFA, CAF, and then Oceania plus Asia. Each group... Each group's League A has four groups of four, like current UEFA Nations League, but the group winners go all go into a global playoffs. I've actually seen some uh, some ideas like this where it's not actually like four, 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 four. It's it, it's it's kind of like based on how many countries you have, which might be a little bit more fair. Who knows? Uh, Final 16 is held in four sites. Top team, top team from each confederation with one team from each at each site. Final four will be a predetermined site as well. Uh, so it seems like his idea, if I'm understanding this correctly, is basically have like a Nations League as normal with Conmebol, CONCACAF, and all the other confederations, and then meet at the final four, is what I, I think he it, it's saying. 
I I think that I think that's that's what it is. I think unless you mix and match, which in I I, I don't know why, why you'd have four sites if you're just gonna mix and match. But I, I like the idea so far. All single elimination games in the knockouts with the ability for additional friendlies with teams in each pod of teams wanted. This is my attempt to get a Confederations Cup feel back, which I think is good because I I love the Confederations Cup. One of our best games ever as a country as USA was in the Confederations Cup. I like it. That was a long pause just for me to say I like it. But but Jack, <laughs> what do you think about this? I, I My solution goes a little bit more in-depth, but Christopher, thank you for sending that. I definitely agree with the, the general gist of this. Yeah, uh, I, I think it I think it's I think it's a decent idea to try and get some global some global stuff in there because it does fix one issue where, you know, UEFA countries are becoming too insulated where they're not mm-hmm. they're not playing with other federations that that can be that can be very useful for that and i think it would be good to get competition like that kind of veers dangerously close to biennial world cup territory in some ways sure uh but i still think it's a good idea if if uh, we can get it to work out uh you know I, i i wouldn't mind seeing it and then i feel like also the nations league might take on some more importance which could be positive, could be negative, depending on how you're looking at it. I'd also like to say, uh, I agree with the general sentiment of his username as well. Half, Hashtag Keith out? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm yeah, starting to I, feel that way. <laughs> I, I, I've been feeling this way since like 2020, honestly, but that's fine. Uh, yeah. De- definitely think that's good. I, I think it definitely solves potentially the competitive like how do we make things competitive like you said how do we get countries to play other countries how do we get players to care however i think not having real cross-country play until really late in it kind of defeats the benefit for like let's say smaller countries that are still good and would benefit from uh playing other countries like costa rica like it would be nice if they can play countries like austria for example and get some of that you know cross it also doesn't necessarily solve the uh, scheduling conflicts and like the whatever. So there's a bit of issue plus travel, like even with like, especially with North America and South America, that's hard to go from like, let's say USA has a home game and they have an away game at Brazil within the same week. Or worse yet, what if they have an away game in Japan? Yeah. <laughs> if, if, or, if it's, or if, like if it's in South global, Africa, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's tough, which is why, Jack, thank you, Christopher, again, I came up with my own idea. I literally have spent like the last two nights since I said that I want to talk about the Nations League. Okay, okay, I'll I'll just sit back and listen then. Okay, I'll do Jack listeners. This is the part I'm going to advertise a lot because I thought about this. I say we have a global Nations League straight up. And I, Jack, if you remember, when we talked about the Biennial World Cup, I suggested this. Oh, I've wait. been on this from oh, it's, day one. It's, is, the, is it the same thing again? Is well, it more of your propaganda for this idea? It's it, it, it's a little bit more well-refined, okay, and okay. it makes I'll, a little bit more sense for everybody. I'll listen to the refinements. I'll, 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 I'll listen to it. Okay. L- let me talk about things uh, from, uh, from like a bird's eye view first. Number one, obviously, you want you want to solve the scheduling. You want to solve players caring. You also want to solve like the ins- the insularness, as you've started using that word like five times in the past ten minutes yes, of confederations. Uh, and you also just want to give teams 
more experience with other types of of teams. But also, something that comes up, I feel like not enough with international games, and would definitely come up if you have a, a World Nations League, is travel. Obviously, you don't, you don't want to travel too much for players' sake, but also the environment, because turns out having three you know cross trips around the world to get players to home base to an away game to another away game that is a lot of oil that you're burning so minimizing travel is very important so this is my solution right and you, you still obviously want to keep the benefits like benefiting smaller countries you want you want teams to play against similar level teams and sometimes you don't get that when you're only focusing on North America. We're USA is certainly not getting that with Granada or El Salvador. England might not be getting that with their current group as well. So what I'm saying is I basically took the top 32 teams in the FIFA rankings and I split them into four groups of eight. Now, it, I didn't do this for everything else, but I also would split another four groups of eight for 33 through 64. So basically, just to go over the countries, I'm not gonna name them all, obviously, but Brazil through uh, 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 Egypt would be in, let's say, League A. We can probably come up with a, a cooler name. The Super League, I'm just kidding. We'll call it oh, League God. A. League, League, League One, League One. League Top, Top League. League and, Top. And then th 33 through uh, 64 would be the likes of Czech Republic, Canada's in there, uh, Saudi Arabia, Romania's in there, all the way to Jamaica. And so these two teams, th these two, like two groups of teams, one through 64, I think are all big enough to be able to actually travel the world and get benefit from playing a bunch of other countries from around the world. Uh, and I think splitting up into two obviously is good. Promotion and relegation between them. After the bottom 64, then we split into regions and so you could still have uh let's say in uh concacaf for example outside of the 64 you could have uh, another smaller nations league that gets promoted and relegated uh into the bigger one and you'll have countries like el salvador curacao honduras haiti trinidad and tobago which aren't the biggest countries but they'd have a lot of benefit with with playing teams like at their level and we could see that in, uh, let's say, UEFA, a, a lot of top 64 teams, but the likes of Slovenia, uh, Bulgaria, Israel, Georgia, Luxembourg, Cyprus, Kosovo, you know, teams that we've mentioned before would benefit from playing teams like themselves. So how would this actually work? Well, for the top two leagues, bottom two of each group, these groups of eight, get relegated, top two get promoted or get sent to the, the final tournament. Now, I actually did the liberty just to just to, to do a run through of how this would work i actually split i actually did a simulation of of this okay okay i did a full-on simulation using i don't know some simulation website to to simulate this and i i did it so i not only did i split the groups i've actually played through the groups to see who would win uh this entire tournament so group a would feature Argentina, England, Netherlands, Uruguay, Sweden, Iran, Poland, and Costa Rica. Off the bat, four confederations are mentioned there. That they're represented. Some teams that I, I can't remember the last time that Costa Rica and Iran played. Imagine how cool that would be. Uruguay and uh, I mean they play a lot of teams. Uh, uh, 
Poland, Poland and uh, Argentina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Group B. Exciting for the U.S. fans. Belgium, Italy, Denmark, USA, Colombia, Japan, Ukraine and Egypt. Again, another interesting crop of teams. Now you're like, wow, it would be very interesting to see how the puzzles fit between how USA would deal with playing a big team like Belgium, a team from a country that they don't really play, Egypt, or a, 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 a team from a confederation that we don't really uh, play any teams from, like Japan. Group C is France, Portugal, Mexico, Switzerland, Wales, Morocco, Chile, uh, Nigeria. D, Group D is Brazil, Spain, Germany. Uh, Croatia, Senegal, Peru, Serbia, and South Korea. Jack, off rip. What do you think about that? I think it's interesting. You get a good mix of teams playing each other that don't normally play each other. They're playing against similar competition. I'm interested to hear your your fix for one thing that I think is still kind of an issue. Yeah. Which is, are these teams playing each other home and away? Because if so... That's 14 games. Well, Jack, I'm going to answer your question in a second. But first, let me say about how great this is, first of all, by saying that this will get players interested in playing these games because it's against new competition. They want to they are going to want to play it for a trophy. That's actually a global trophy because it's the 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 AJ's global uh, Nations League, World (laughs) Nations League. That's actually the TM TM trademarked, copyrighted all the jazz. So, and obviously these competitive games, it benefits the teams, not just the players. Now, your question about congestion and schedule. It's, mm-hmm. it's a true one. It's definitely true. We've already, we've already solved the, you know, uh, similar level teams playing against each other with this and keeping the, the other confederations, you know, on a more regional-based level. Right? So that's good. That's good. But... The issue that could arise here is the fact that there would be a lot of games. So yes. they don't play home and away. Oh, they okay. play each team once. That okay. way you're not over inundated with games. That way, instead of you know six games as we currently play right now, it's seven games, which is more. Which is more. Yes. But that's only one more. And the benefits you get from it for top level teams are exponential. So how does this work, right? How do you decide which teams host? Valid question, dear listener and Jack, probably in his head. Here's what I'm proposing. Instead of having just randomly these teams host these teams, it's hosted in sites. So every every team in groups will host one window. and, And they'll play two games and the rest they'll play on either neutral sites at other group groups uh, uh countries or they'll they'll play you know you know if they if they play like let's say USA plays Belgium in Belgium that's obviously an away game that way obviously you get some home revenue there could be revenue sharing i don't care I, that's not really the point uh but you also get experience playing in neutral venues which is important for like world cup and whatever else and also hostile venues like if USA were to play in Belgium so I actually didn't just come up with uh, the sample uh, table, the sample whatever. I actually simulated this down to individual games and how this would be scheduled. There's probably an easier way to do this, but I actually did it all by hand, which I did last night, which was absolutely 
crazy because I, I, I realized like five times in a row that the way that I scheduled things, it just wouldn't work logistically. So I had to go back and fix it. So in group B, which is what USA is, to use that as an example, mm-hmm. the way this, is, this would work, again, they are in a group full of other teams from other confederations in an eight-game, uh, in an eight-team group, play each team once for seven games in different venues, right? In a September window, I should also say that the different sites, there's two sites every single uh, group. And so you're, you're still based in one site. So the first site is Belgium, and the, the second site is Ukraine for that September window. So Belgium, Egypt, USA, and Colombia are all playing in Belgium, and then they'll switch around to play the other opponents. In, in the Ukraine site, it's Italy, Ukraine, Denmark, and Japan. They'll switch around uh, in the second game, still staying, staying in Ukraine to minimize travel uh, and in, in this way, they can, like, get some more bang for their buck, less travel. They actually get to play in neutral or hostile environments. Gets a good mix, right? So looking at the USA schedule, first, they're going to play Colombia in Belgium. Then they'll play Belgium in Belgium. That's their September window. In October window, the two locations are Japan and Colombia. So all the countries, like, fly to Japan and Colombia. Uh, USA will play Italy and Colombia and then Denmark and Colombia. They, uh, they don't get to play Colombia in this one. In the November window, just because the way things are, uh, the USA only gets to have to play one game, and that's Ukraine and Egypt. Uh, the other location would be Italy. And to finish things off in March, they get their home leg, where the USA will play Japan and Egypt at home in the USA. So imagine, it doesn't have to be the same stadium. In my mind, it's like uh, against Japan, uh, you play uh, you play in Portland, and then you take uh, you you bus everyone up to uh, to Seattle, and you play the last game Egypt in Seattle. So still key, like the location still in the same country minimizes uh, travel. Uh, this this schedule gets you the max amount of games without getting you too many games, so you still get a positive experience, uh, as well as giving all these countries the ability to see their own their own players play in their home country while at the same time giving what the players really need which is what we've learned when the u.s women's national team has played all their games in the u.s experience away from home and so with the with that simulation i actually have the top two teams from each group okay in group a argentina and england were the top two in this group it was Italy and Belgium. USA was third place. Uh, Italy actually had a perfect group stage. Belgium 16 uh, that's points. That's unrealistic. I don't know. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, well, a lot of this is re- unrealistic, partly because they actually show you the roster of what they did. And there are some U.S. players that definitely should not be there anymore. Uh, Alejandro Bedoya was still there, and I can't remember the last Did you do this played. in Football Manager? I did not do this in Football okay. Manager. It's literally a, a website... Okay. In the future, to 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 really like do some more simulations and stuff, I will put this in Football Manager. But for this episode, I didn't. Uh, you you should know it's it's kind of BS because Denmark, who are doing very well, were on the verge of relegation. They got six points, which I really don't think would be the case. Uh, so we have Argentina, England, Group A, England, Italy, and Belgium in Group uh, B, Group C, France top the group, and Mexico again. 
unrealistic. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Where's top two? Uh, Brazil and Spain in uh, Group D. And when you when, when I when I did the further cup uh, simulations, my idea for like this final uh, top eight, so to speak, would be it's hosted at, at one of the the group winners sites. Okay. You know what I mean? So I I arbitrarily chose Brazil just because I don't know. I I, th- I thought. Italy, Argentina, France, Brazil. Brazil was the the more interesting one, uh, and so Argentina and versus Belgium. Belgium won that. France versus Spain. France won that. Italy versus Mexico. Italy won that. Brazil versus England. Brazil won. Belgium, France, France, Italy, Brazil. Brazil won in the finals. France versus Brazil. Okay. And Brazil home home advantage won the tournament. See, I you know. almost had me on your side. You almost did. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I, I wanted to make this global world nations league something that can help mitigate some of the issues that we have with having top talents care while also minimizing uh some of the issues like having too many games i wanted to keep it as as close to what we are right now as possible and also minimize the amount of overall travel you'd have to do which, when you only have to travel to one country, everyone has to travel to one country at a time. I, I feel like that, that, that might be even better than what we have right now, not going to lie. That, that legitimately might be better than having the USA play a, a home game and travel away. So, I don't know. Jack, AJ's uh, World Nations League TM copyrights, circa 2022. Are you on board? I think it could potentially work. It, it, I, I didn't I didn't say I didn't like it. I, I like the idea. I like the idea behind it. But uh, there's a few things that I can think of that are still a little concerning. Uh, one is when does this take place? Like in in comparison to like, you know, Gold Cup, uh, Euros, uh, Copa America, because you got to remember, those don't always happen in the same year. I I say I say I say are you FIFA, moving everything else. I, I I'm moving everything else for this okay. and or and or. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm moving everything else. I'm moving everything to uh to to even off years. So if the World Cup's 2026, 2028, Euros, Copa America, Gold Cup, true summer of soccer. Okay, my other uh, two other questions. Where when does qualification for the Euros and for the World Cup happen? That's an that's another good question. <laughs> and and uh-huh. uh that would be after the Nations League is done. So just entirely over the summer. No, 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 no. Well, okay, okay. first of all, first of all, when do, when does qualification happen as it is right now? Just just when they're not playing the Nations League. Yeah, you know what I mean? I guess. I guess I guess that's fair. That's fair. Uh, and and uh, my my hope is that they can can somehow continue the the uh, the Nations League backdoor qualification like the I don't know like okay. uh, the the top the top four countries in each league from each confederation something 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 get an easier path to whatever 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 okay and then the final one and this is this would be the biggest one that you have to deal with right. okay so obviously you're changing. Home games, home and away games for these. Uh-huh. How do you deal with fans and more importantly, like places like 
FFF, uh, the U.S. Soccer Federation, the English FA, when they don't get the same gate receipts that they would normally get because they're playing less home games, technically. Little something I like to call revenue sharing. Okay. A little, a little something I like to call TV deal. TV deal. I'm serious. Okay. Okay. Right. The majority of the Premier League's money comes from the TV deal. That's true. Right. That's true. Right. Do, 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 you, do you think AFC Bournemouth is is sweating the fact that their stadium's only twelve thousand seats? Right. You you could have re, you could have a revenue sharing, uh, especially especially for for matches where you your team plays like if france plays in belgium that's pretty close uh but even regardless if france plays japan and a bunch of japanese people uh, show up because they want to see uh japan play then you know french get a, a little kickback and they're like they're like i was gonna do a french accent i'm not gonna do that but they're Don't like yeah it. we got so much money yay <laughs> and that tv deal i think will bring a lot of money because people will be like oh wow this is like the world cup but it's not as abusive Hopefully, and it's it's when I actually want to watch it, which is not all the time. Cough, cough, biennial World Cup. It's spread out, so it's a lot easier to digest. Cool. The one issue, Jack, that I was wondering mm-hmm. if you'd bring up is how does this affect the smaller leagues in terms of a TV deal? Because how does it affect the smaller leagues? That I don't know. That's oh, great. Whole, oh, great. That's, that, that, that's <laughs> like that's like the the one like like vent. Uh, in my Death Star, then Luke Skywalker just gotta to shoot a fat a plasma ball in there or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, yes, the like coast not Costa Rica. Let's pick a, a smaller team. Uh, Kosovo. Uh, Co- yeah, Kosovo. Kosovo could still play the likes of Luxembourg, of Gibraltar, of uh, Armenia. But who is gonna watch if that's not all clumped into one TV deal? And guess what? He'll screw it. Maybe FIFA just has like the world's biggest TV deal where every oh. single country is represented and ESPN has to pay five trillion dollars to get that. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But there is something to say that th- the TV money will not be as lucrative for these smaller teams, if there's any at all, which in the grand scheme of things might not be a, a huge deal. because I don't know how much money they're getting currently, but that's the one weakness Everything else is airtight. It's the best plan I've ever come up with. I did simulations, Jack. France made another final. That's cool, right? Ah, now, now but I'm trying see, to you, you lose points for for them not winning another final. That that's the issue. And oh. also for Italy, you you lose points on real on uh like for uh what what accuracy realism I, yeah realism uh Immersion. for Italy yeah. for Italy going undefeated. Uh, since they lost to North Macedonia recently, yes, and got I know, destroyed I know. by Argentina. Aren't they in a group with Argentina? You said. Uh, in this, uh, yeah. they they no. Uh, oh, Argentina okay. is with England, Uruguay, Netherlands, okay. Iran, Costa Rica, Sweden, Poland. Okay, okay, okay. That never, never mind. I guess, I guess, I guess, I guess you can get a little bit of points back on real. But, but but Italy beat Belgium though. No, that's not I, that's not right. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Because didn't and, I'm and pretty I sure Belgium that. beat did Belgium beat Italy in the Nations League third place game? Uh, no, they did not. I, I don't know who it was, but but no, well, yeah, Belgium it, it and Italy played each other. So yeah, I think Italy lost that too, and it was pretty embarrassing. Actually, or was it embarrassing? I, I'm, I'm, 
regardless. No, Belgium lost that one. Yeah. So okay. I, gu- I guess. Okay, you know what? Maybe maybe Italy beating Belgium isn't that inaccurate. Far, I guess. Yeah, far fetched. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like like the simulation gave gave Egypt one point, one point, and th- there were a lot of blowouts. I think the USA blew blew Egypt out as well. It, it was not. It was not. I, I will run this again in Football Manager, and I'll prove to you how how great it's gonna be. <laughs> Okay, okay. Well, but, well, I'll be waiting for an update on it. I'll be waiting. All right, I'm happy. I'm glad. But yeah, that that that's my idea for a global nations league. I I love just I've I've loved in the past couple of days just like thinking about it cuz I I think it's a really cool idea. I think I think I think it takes all the good parts about the nations league and puts it all in a basket. And I think it takes all the bad stuff and throws it out of the basket. And it's all harmonious, and it's all fun, and the USA is going to win this eventually. I hope. Jack, okay. do you have do you have any other tweaks to the Nations League before we wrap things up here? Anything else to say about it? I mean, nothing that I have could match up to what you did. So okay. you, you've you've done far more than than I had planned for this because I've been tired this week and have been slogging no. through it. So this is this is far better than anything I would come up with, because the best I was able to come up with was, I don't know, I guess no Nations League. (laughs) (laughs) My idea for the Nations League is just getting rid of it. Yeah, like that. That that was that that was the best I could come up with that. That's your idea seems feasible. I think it would take it would take a lot, a lot of work to get it working. It would take a lot of coordination to the point where if this even were to be a thing. I'd probably be waiting until 2032 to get this off. The I ground. think that I think you might need a world government before this becomes a thing. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, need yeah. one governmental body that that oversees everything before. Yes, and and at, at that point, I think I think football is not going to be on the top of their docket. No, I, I think there's a lot more societal <laughs> issues than how do we make a nation's league that's actually like based and cool. <laughs> no, yeah. solve world hunger. Nah, make a better nation's league. That's our priority. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. It goes Nations League, World Hunger, Climate Change in that order. Okay. Sorry, okay. I don't make the rules. Yeah. Yeah. No, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'll close things off by saying that I am a big fan of the Nations League. Uh, the U.S. plays their first game in the Nations League the day that this comes out against Granada, and that's going to be very, very fun and exciting. There are things that we can do to improve it, but at the end of the day, anyone that says that it's a waste of time is capping or they just don't know in my opinion in my opinion but i think that opinion is based on a lot of facts on a a, a lot of case studies that we've seen from smaller countries from even fans of big countries and i i think that the nation's league legitimately might be the first thing that uefa and concaf has done where it's actually good for almost like 99 percent of people which is not something you could say about those two organizations. So I'm happy in a world full of football controversies that we have a new tournament that's not necessarily a cash grab that has brought a lot more good than necessarily bad. Jack, you could you could say the complete opposite if you want, honestly. I th- no, I think the Nations League is good, but it's it's very difficult to try and balance it. That's yes. that's that's the key takeaway, really. That's the thesis. That the, is the thesis statement of this. That's the thesis statement, and you know, it's we we want to help smaller nations have good competitive games where they actually have a chance, where it's not 
San Marino losing to England 10 to zero day in, or week in and week out. Right. We don't want that. But we also don't want players to have potential health issues and, you know, get injured because they're playing more and more games. So. Mm-hmm. It's tough as it as tough. everything, as everything is the it, yeah, it's tough t- to find a happy medium. Turns out nuance exists in almost everything, which kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. Well, who would have thought? Who would have yeah. thought? But that's what you get when you listen to the final third nuanced takes yeah not, sometimes occasionally you'll get hot takes like like i stand by the finalissima is a major trophy i i want i want to add on to that statement because it wasn't just that yeah you didn't just say you see you didn't just say the the, the finalissima <laughs> or whatever it's called uh-huh. uh being a major trophy you said that it, you said that it was a bigger trophy than the nation's league that was a you, ju- that part was a joke. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I'm okay. not. Gonna, I'm not going to take away from France's accomplishments. Let's be okay. That, Let's, I was going to say. However, I still think that, that statement about that final is wrong. But mm. regardless, and also, and also about France's final, Mbappe was offside. Ah, so. uh, no, no, no. see, you're wrong there because it hit the Spanish player. And he went okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> We've had this Jack. debate before. That, that hey, that's all the reason to go to Final Third Show at Final Third Show on Twitter and yes. look at the past debates on that, and go to Final Third. Uh, is it is it Final or Final Third Show.com? I'm forgetting Final Third Show.com. Final Third Show.com to go back and watch the episode where we debated that for like 15 minutes. So there you go. Uh, that that's that's perfect transition. We got it at Final Third Show on Twitter, finalthirdshow.com for to see all these past episodes, all these past debates, and for more, mostly nuanced and balanced takes. Yes. Thank you, Jack, so much. And thank you, listeners, for listening to this show. We'll see you guys this Monday for another news and predictions episode. Probably going to be talking a little bit more about transfers and a little bit more about uh, international games. So definitely check out that. Uh, also checks out same time same place for another deep dive episode uh, if i had to guess i think the international window might be done we might be talking about usa stuff we might be talking about uh world cup qualifying playoffs at that point so definitely check us out there tell a friend about the show tell your dad about the show i'm sure he would love to hear about my my plan for world domination aj's world nations league tm All right, guys. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you guys then. See ya. Bye for now.